All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. My name is Josh, and I am here with my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Best I can be, you know, this, I'm getting into the home stretch, I like to call it, for college for this term. So, like, there's just a shit ton of fucking work to do. I got... I got two essays to write this weekend. I got a interview to do with somebody and like a PowerPoint that I have to get done by the 17th. So yeah, it's just this just fucking nuts, nutsoid craziness. Oh, and I also have to watch another foreign film and then do a quiz online for it, as well as write a, a, an essay for a foreign film. Now, a lot of this is technically my fault because I, you know, I didn't do everything ahead of time. But regardless, it's still, there's a lot of stuff that's being assigned, even despite the stuff that I could have worked on earlier. But don't you, don't you just feel yourself becoming a better movie reviewer since you're in college now, Mike? Not really. Exactly. Maybe a better writer. A better writer for sure. I, I definitely feel that way. No, I mean, I came in, I came here to try to become a better writer and to learn skills like with, uh, to work with coding and video editing and other stuff like that. And I'm starting to get some of that stuff. So I, I do feel that I have learned some valuable uh, things uh, in, in college this semester. I mean, this term, because it's not a semester because we are, we have terms here at Washington State University, oh. Vancouver campus. Oh, that's, that's, that's very lofty. You, you guys got to do it different. Um, I'm, I'm longer than a semester. I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you how I'm doing because uh, that's how narcissistic I am in my world. <laughs> um, no, I, we so this uh, music video that I've been very focused on completing for the Nightmare Inside You off my new album, The Nightmare Inside You. The SNM video. Yes, the SNM video. If that helps you. Um, <laughs> so we have one last scene that we're going to shoot where it's going to be essentially us, me probably in some kind of outfit of an S&M nature. And we're going to be standing in front of these like fiery uh, DWG, you know, for my band Dancing with Ghosts. It's going to be like logos that we constructed. Okay. And when, um, we were supposed to do that shoot yesterday. And the fucking weather here has just been so like bad. I, I'm like really starting to wonder if it's ever going to be warm again. Because this, like, cold just won't fuck off. So it was, like, cold and rainy yesterday and uh, mm. the whole entire day. And we were going to shoot it at my parents' backyard because they have this big wooded backyard. And uh, so that got put on hold. So I've just been pretty much obsessed with getting this fucking video done. Um, that's really all I've been, like, focused on. And... Uh, <laughs> What, look, responding to the um, somewhat negative comments I keep getting on my channel awesome video, which has now hit three thousand views. Which for my YouTube channel, that's that's a pretty that's pretty big. Yeah, that's like a success. That's pretty big for your channel. <laughs> I know you didn't mean to, but that came off somewhat condescendingly. That's pretty big for your little piss ant channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I know, I know. I was distracted because my cat is. I have a bunch of stuff on top of my bed right now. But anyway, I guess, um, you know, any any news or any uh, publicity is good publicity. So as long as, you know, people are... That's a funny thing about those, uh, you know, if you... I know you've made videos in the past that have probably been somewhat 
you know, controversial opinions and you got a lot of thumbs down and stuff. But I mean, even from those videos, it's still like it's like these people still watched it. They still gave you that view. Well, yeah, I, I, I got some thumbs down on the recent video I did on the whole channel. Awesome thing. But I got more likes. So I have more yeah. likes, but like it's 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 like um, it's something like 78 likes and like 50 something dislikes. So the, I could see why. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, you know. You know. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. Some of some of your thoughts could have been articulated a little bit better, and and uh, some people are interpreting it uh, probably the wrong way, like not the way you intended. But that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, sometimes. it's the world of YouTube for you. So uh, we're gonna have to get straight into the mysteries because uh, yes. I gotta go and do some some karaoke because you know that's that's what I that's where I'm at in my life. I get to go host karaoke. No, it's a really it's a really easy. It's a pretty lucrative job. I shouldn't complain about it, but it's it's one of those things where it's like Wednesday has become a very full day for me because it seems like my workouts always fall on Wednesday. So it's literally as soon as I get up, eat breakfast, workout, podcast, go do my gig, come home, and it's already like 2 a.m. <laughs> there went my whole day. But anyway, my pick for this week was uh, Lenny Derrickson. Um, this guy, man, like I'm looking at his picture on Unsolved.com right now. Defining characteristics. Yeah. Handlebar mustache at the time of his disappearance. <laughs> this, this Anybody who's followed, like, perhaps it's you's Instagram account or some of the other Unsolved Mysteries Instagram accounts, this picture is, like, the number one. This is the daddy of all mustaches. This guy has got, I mean, this thing looks like a, a dead, uh, a rodent, like a dead rat or something under this guy's nose. Like, this, this <laughs> mustache is impressive. He's got a muskrat stash. Yeah, like... It, it looks like this guy, and he's wearing like this 1970s like like <laughs> jacket, flared jacket with like yeah. this shirt. So he looks like some kind of like prospector from the 1800s who went through a time machine and was like grabbing like this 1970s jacket along the way, and then he goes just <laughs> he was just spit out in the 90s looking like this. But um, it's actually kind of a sad story, so I feel bad for yeah, making fun is. of him. Um, March 14th, 1998, you know, kind of recent-ish for Unsolved Mysteries, um, finally breaking out of the late 80s, early 90s here. Um, March 14th, 1998 began as a typical morning at Leonard Derrickson's dairy farm near Cheyenne, Oklahoma. Leonard and his 19-year-old son, Jared, sat down to eat breakfast before a long day of chores. Now, there's never, ever any mention of his wife or Jared's nope. mother. So, And even in the reenactment, there's not, like, a woman in the scene. So My guess is uh, she divorced, left him with a kid, or she died. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe they, they never, just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, they never comment on that aspect of it. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know where the well I mean even even uh, uh, a commenter on this group on, on not in this group on this uh, page says did the police ever investigate the ex wife of Leonard since he apparently owned several thousand he owed several thousand dollars in debt and was about to have his farm sold yeah it's just it's just kind of weird because like the the spouse is always the first person that they like bring in on these interviews you know if you're if we're talking about like murdered or missing people but anyway it was i guess this guy had a um uh, immaculate conception and just birthed jared out of his ass or something because the woman's never mentioned here <laughs> so i guess she's just not involved the um, at 9 a.m a visitor arrived unannounced in a white pickup truck 
Leonard went outside and spent several minutes talking to the driver of the truck. They, no they did not appear to know each other, but their conversation seemed friendly. When Leonard returned, he told Jared that the man wanted to look at one of his stud horses. According to Jared, his father found nothing unusual about the stranger. Quote, so he told me he was going to go with him. He said to stay here and get some feed and go feed the cows and he'd be back that afternoon. Jared Derrickson is still waiting for his father to come home. Nobody has any idea what happened to him. Police have found no signs of a struggle, no evidence of foul play, and no body. Their only clue is the mysterious man who came to Leonard's house. Apparently, Leonard did not simply vanish immediately after leaving his house. Two hours later, a waitress claimed to have seen Leonard eating breakfast with another man at a local coffee shop. Cliff Gann was an inspector for the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Do these investigators always have to have like a weird last name of some kind? I swear, it seems like every investigator I've Well, ever even the way Cliff is spelled, I mean, that might just be a, a typo. But, uh, you know, there's only one F. And then Derrickson's name. Yeah. It's instead of an E after the D in Derrickson, it's an I. Derek, Derek, Derrickson. I don't know. English language for Derrickson. So he's quoted here as saying they were sitting there in the restaurant and the unknown man that we're trying to identify was doing most of the talking and Leonard was just drinking coffee and listening to the man talk. Huh. Um, the man at the diner ma uh, matched the description of the man who picked Leonard up at his home. According to the waitress, there was nothing suspicious about the man's behavior. Police checked the barn where Leonard kept his stud horse. But Leonard never went there that day. An exhaustive investigation that followed turned up no information on Leonard's whereabouts. Then, six months after he vanished, a man phoned the police saying that Leonard Derrickson was in a bar in Amarillo, Texas. The man described Leonard in detail but told the police he couldn't reveal his name. By the time local police arrived at the bar, both the caller and the man he claimed that was Leonard were gone. The speaking of that, speaking of that bar, that reenactment was just—it was just wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, just this like <laughs> redneck country bar, and the, you know Leonard was supposedly acting drunk, you know. So just picture <laughs> unsolved mysteries portrayal of a country redneck bar and someone acting drunk in it, and of course there's like a lot of like, you know, they they can't get away from those like those washes of like you know primary colored lights in yeah, any of their blue lights yeah blue they love like i guess if you're portraying a bar scene i guess you know oh ba you know wash it in light you know a, a, like a, a neon light of some kind whether it be blue like or... it's a nightclub yeah. but it's a country western bar it's not the same thing yeah, yeah. unless there's a country western nightclub i mean maybe i mean I don't... Get, just get... in amarillo texas i would not be surprised just given the lighting of this like bar i mean you could take the hillbillies out and put in goth kids and it would look equally like normal like <laughs> it'd be the vampire club yeah it'd be the vampire club yeah i mean <laughs> you know that's i guess they needed a quick shot there but they they threw it together um the following day uh the roger mills county sheriff's department interviewed the bartender she remembered the caller being at the bar and corroborated his story joe hay hey was the sheriff of roger mills county and he's quoted here as saying we had no reason to disbelieve it it would, it would almost stretch the imagination that a guy would dance around in a bar screaming and hollering, it's Leonard, it's Leonard, and it not be Leonard. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's Leonard! Luke Bryan! <laughs> 
So the he, the Leonard Skinnerd Skinnerd <laughs> Trump. Um. So the uh, sheriff of Roger Mills County. you say Trump? It sounds like you're starting a car. Trump. That's that's why I like Donald Trump because his last name sounds like my big fucking truck's engine. Trump. <laughs> Can't do that with Clinton's last name. Don't work. <laughs> oh, stupid. Such a dumb, dumb podcast we host. Anyway, um, they believe that he was am- in Amarillo that night. But and, and this, dude, this has always been like my biggest fear, or this was my biggest fear as a kid. My biggest fear was that my mom or my dad or both would just go away one day. They'd just drive away and they would never come back. Not that they would die, but they would just oh. never come back. Not, They'd be like, oh, screw Josh, he sucks, relieve me. Or, or just <laughs> something weird would happen and I would just be abandoned. And like this actually happened to this Jared kid, man. Yeah. I feel so sorry for him. I and, do too. And then to hear that, like, to get these, you know, as Robert Stack always says, these tantalizing clues, these tantalizing, like, leads like he was seen in the diner with some guy he was seen in a bar yelling it's leonard you know it's uh well he wasn't yelling it's leonard like he wasn't yelling his own name he wasn't his own name he was just boot scooting boogieing around yelling his own name can you imagine that (laughs) (laughs) just walks into the bar and just like it's leonard Leonard Derrickson! Leonard Derrickson! I'm Leonard! <laughs> Leonard Derrickson Leonard is here, Dirksen. and I am him. Make <laughs> no mistake. <laughs> so, before his disappearance, Leonard had gone through a painful divorce and was having fun. Oh, okay, so they do mention that. Good Lord. Thought I would have paid attention to that. Uh, I guess the whole, my whole immaculate conception uh, theory is out the window now. Well, the whole thing, the whole thing where he, the wife was still not interviewed, is still kind of uh, novel, a novel concept. From yeah, a segment on unsolved mysteries. That's that's that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So um, they they pose the question: Could he have just walked away from it all? His son Jared Derrickson doesn't think so. And this was really kind of a heartbreaking. Well, moment. yeah, the financial difficulties uh, were. The fact that his dairy farm was struggling, uh, the price of milk was dropping, and he was also in debt. So, yeah, all that combined, I could see why he might think about leaving, trying to walk away from it, but I don't know why he'd leave his son. Well, yeah. But then again, that happens a lot with these cases where people just up and leave. Like, you'd think, like, they would, oh, you know, they, they love their kids or they love their their wife and the wife and the kid or the other family members. Like he would never do that. And then years later, like, Oh, he did that. You know, I guess truth is stranger than fiction, but yeah, I, I think, I think it has more to do with that guy in the truck than anything else. Uh, yeah. I think it's probably a homicide, but his son, yeah, his son's interviewed and he's saying me and my dad, we was together every day, every morning we'd go to work, do the chores and I'd go to school. I don't think he would have ever left me and not ever come back to see me or nothing because we was real close and I don't think he'd ever done that to me. And it was real sad, you know, like he started getting all choked up. And and, that's some pretty good acting there, Josh. Thanks, man. You know, that's my uh, that's my call. My second calling. (laughs) Um, I'm acting like I like you, Mike. (laughs) Such a sassy cunt. 
If Leonard would not have left his son behind, the focus then switches back to the mysterious man. How did the stranger know where Leonard lived? And why was he asking about a horse that Leonard had not advertised for sale? Without a motive, the search for Leonard Derrickson will continue to be hampered. And yes, I do, again, think it's weird that the wife was not at all mentioned or interviewed for this because it's like, you know, anytime someone's murdered or anytime there's anything like that, the the closest people are always investigating. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of people who were confirming the fact that he might still be alive. So... Now, I mean, that could just be a bunch of nonsense. Uh, we can't really 100%, 100% confirm uh, those uh, sightings. But, I mean, there is more than one person. And he was in debt. And we haven't found the body yet. So that's a possibility. But it's also a possibility that he was murdered. But I don't know. This is, this is definitely a mystery. Because I don't really know the answer to this. Yeah, like I said, like this kind of stuff like scared the shit out of me as a kid because I thought like I probably should have been watching this kind of stuff. I mean, I know I've said that, but like I continue to stick with the fact that like I probably shouldn't have been watching these shows as a kid, even though I enjoyed them so much because it really did put a bunch of fear and paranoia in my head that probably would not have been there otherwise. Because I, I yeah, which is why I'm writing an essay about the. Uh, culture of paranoia that's been created by true crime television shows. Oh, really? So, um, I, I need to flesh it out some more, but uh, I got a good structure so far. I just need to write more about the fear aspect and focus more on the fear aspect and specifically on violent crimes. Because I looked at statistics and across the United States, uh, the rate of violent crime has, has been near historic lows recently. Um, but in the past, like around 1996, it was, uh, you know, pretty high. So it's one of those that's like, we felt we were safer when we were watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. When those were on the air, we felt we were safer in our own homes. And in some ways we were, uh, but in other ways, like the crime rate was pretty dang high. So it was like, it, and, and now... Like we we felt it's 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 this interesting reverse where when we were watching this and when we were kids we're like we feel safe but uh, when we're adults we're paranoid and it's it's no because of the, those shows and it's not even really that warranted. Oh no! Even as so. a, even as a kid, those shows made me scared and paranoid. But it was like it was like a, a roller coaster type thing to where yes, it's scary, but you enjoy it. Yeah, but now it's like. Now it's you got the real world experience. Yeah. And you go to the ATM late at night and you're thinking of the Matthew Chase case. Dude, we or some other things. When we were filming our music video, there was a scene where we where I wanted to utilize a bridge in 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 my city that I live in and um it, it's a, it's a small-ish bridge just big enough to kind of go from one, you know, just get over the St. Johns River. And you can walk up the side of it. It's not that high, you know, but it's high enough to where you get a little creeped out. But anyway, I wanted the scene to happen at night. So me and uh, my bandmate Stephanie went to this bridge. And um, <clears throat> before we were doing that, I was trying to get some shots of my headlights on my car turning off. Because, again, it was relevant to the plot of the video. And um, 
this this car comes up and this guy was like because Stephanie was all dolled up because she you know had a scene where she was going to be acting in the video or whatever this car pulls up and this guy was like hey 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 yeah can I take a picture of you can I take a picture and it was like fucking creepy as shit and like I like I was like in front of the car and she was in the car or standing just outside of it and I had to like you know, walk from out from my camera and be like, no, man, no, you can't. You can't take a picture of her because she was just like frozen in fear. Like she wasn't saying anything. And then he like drove away. But I'm like, oh, my God, these fucking creeps out here. And like as we continued to shoot that night and we were like up, walking up this bridge, like all these people on bicycles and walking by and shit, you know, they like ask us questions and talk to us and shit. And I I hated it. Anytime someone would talk to me or ask me a question, it would freak me out because I'm like, it is like dark as shit up here. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm here with a really attractive girl. You know, I, I like my mind started racing all the different possibilities that could have happened. And I, I honestly think that's because of shows like this. I think people who aren't exposed to this amount of stuff these kind of possibilities are more naive and they don't think about that kind of stuff when they go out. Well, yeah, um, but... Yeah, I definitely do feel that Unsolved Mysteries and Mercus Most Wanted in, in particular, they opened the the door for, uh, they, they began this obsession with true crime. Yeah. This addiction that a lot of people have nowadays. I don't think without their success that we would have two networks that are devoted to true crime television. Yeah, no, absolutely uh, Some not. of the most popular podcasts are true crime related. I wouldn't be doing a true crime podcast <laughs> if it wasn't for shows like Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Now, speaking of Unsolved Mysteries, now we get to my pick. Now, this is one and I'm surprised we did not cover a year ago, but I'm really glad that we're covering it now. This is one of my favorite cases, uh, definitely from season three and honestly out of the entire show. I, I really like this case. I, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting things about it. Uh, the reenactment was really well done. And uh, even though there are people who are debating and even in the Oregonian saying, oh, it's, the conspiracy theory is not valid and so on and so forth, there's other aspects to this case that really make me think otherwise. I really think there was definitely some nefarious goings on here with uh, the Oregon government at the time. And I really do believe that they silenced Michael Frankie. So Michael Frankie was the director of the Oregon prison system. Who And was he murdered to stop his investigation into high-level corruption? I think so. I think he was. So in February of 1980, a deadly prison riot broke out in New Mexico, killing 33 prisoners. State official Michael Frankie was brought in to completely revamp the troubled prison system. He did such a good job that in 1987... The governor of Oregon brought him in to do the same thing there. Michael Frankie told his family that he was going to blow the lid off corruption in the Oregon prison system and implicate several top government officials. But apparently, Michael did too good of a job. On January 17, 1989, just after he completed the investigation, he was found stabbed to death outside his office. Now, that alone just sounds suspicious, doesn't it? I mean, he's working on all of this, blowing the lid off corruption in the Oregon prison system... And then he shows up dead pretty soon afterwards. The DA said that Frankie's murder was a botched robbery. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I just I don't I don't buy that theory. I really don't. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, it's it just it's complete bullshit. It's this this is some like mob level. This was like a mob level hit. Um, it's scary, you know, because this isn't the only unsolved mysteries case that deals with like prison politics with prison guards mm-hmm. and being and being hushed and corruption going on in the prisons. Um, it, there must be something about containing human beings. In a, in a cage and, and watching over them that gives you some kind of power trip where you eventually start making dealings with these people for your... they mu- It must have been some kind of financial gain for them to sneak drugs into the prison, for example, because there was the women's yeah. prison killings. I don't know if we talked about that one or not. No, we haven't. We should talk we, about we, yeah, that Yeah, we should. That's a great one or whatever. Um, where the one female prison guard was basically bullied into like signing... Um, uh, like a contract or an NDA or whatever saying that like everything she said was fab because she was trying to be a whistle uh-huh. whistleblower essentially and they were trying to stifle her uh-huh. um and, and it's and they they like shot up her house and they like they tried to kill her they didn't kill her but they they attempted to and that's the same yeah. thing that happened with this guy it's crazy yeah so but his family thinks that Michael Frankie had uncovered a vast conspiracy Bob Merchant a former Oregon State prison guard described the legal activities he witnessed I was told by my superiors to keep my mouth shut and mind my own business, or I'd be looking for a job. The three main criminal activities that I observed working in corrections were the introduction of drugs into the institution, falsifying of records, and thefts of state property. Basically, anything that was not nailed down was subject to be stolen. There was a constant flow of drugs being brought into the institutions. One of the most common ways was staff bringing them in their own lunch buckets. There were no searches being conducted on staff, as they entered or left the facility. Yeah, that would definitely lead to them getting away with that kind of shit. Because nobody's searching them. And also, why would you think you would have to do that? That's what makes this so crazy. It's like, why would you think you'd have to search your own guards? <laughs> well, I Apparently mean, should. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> after everything that started happening, it, was, it made sense. So reporter Stephen Jackson of the Salem Statesman Journal believed that Michael didn't realize what he was up against. When Mike came in, he's got a good old boy system to contend with. A lot of these guys have been here for 20 or 30 years. The system has run has run the way they want it to run for that many years. So here comes some guy from out of state who has all these high-minded ideas about what he's going to do and just rubs a lot of them the wrong way. Michael's brother, Kevin Frankie, says that Michael knew he was juggling the political dynamite and that it could blow up in his face at any moment. He had uncovered, he said, an organized criminal element in the system and said that he was going to do a thorough house cleaning immediately after the first of the year, and his quote was, a lot of heads were going to roll. Michael's sister-in-law, Katie Frankie, talked to Michael just a few days before he was killed. On January 13th, I called Michael, and he said that he was going to go before the legislator and clean house the following Wednesday. He was very, very concerned, and I think he had uncovered something far bigger than he expected. Four days later, on January 17th, 1989, Michael was found murdered on a side porch of his office building. Police began to piece together the last hours of his life. After the regular Tuesday staff meeting, Michael spoke with one of his employees. Later, two other employees noticed that the light in Michael's car was on and that the driver's door was wide open. Two corrections officials searched the building, but Michael was nowhere to be found. The two men left around 9.30 p.m. without calling the police. Later that night... A security guard found Michael's body on the side porch of the building that had been searched just four hours earlier. The glass in the side door was shattered, and his briefcase appeared to be missing. Believing Michael was murdered in a robbery attempt, 
The police interrogated known drug dealers and street criminals. One of them claimed that he witnessed the murder and fingered a drug dealer named Frank Gable. According to this witness, Gable was in the act of breaking into Michael's car when Michael came out of the office building around 7 p.m. Now, the, the, the reenactment they do here, I, I think it's, it's well done, but it's also kind of fun. Just the way that you have Frankie going up to confront this mugger. Yeah. And he's all like, what do you think you're doing, punk? You little punk. I'm, gonna, I'm taking you in. <laughs> he's about to stab him. And he's yeah, just he's, calling he's him. like, what are you doing by my car? He's like, I'm not. He's like, I'm not trying. He says something like, you know. Are you trying to break in my car? He's like, I'm not trying to break in your car. He's like, yeah, you're coming with me. I'm taking you in. Yeah, he was like, he called him a punk, too. So I'm like, <laughs> come on. Who do you think you are, Dirty Harry? <laughs> so uh, Gable then stabbed Frankie, mortally wounding him. Some believe Gable also stole the briefcase. Michael then staggered up the stairs of a side entrance to the building and broke the glass door in a desperate attempt to get back into his office. The actor who plays Frankie in this, I, I thought was really well. Uh, it was a great pick, and I think he did a great job. Yeah, I thought so too. I was actually going to say that, especially in, like in the kitchen scene when his sister yeah. calls and he's like, "It's different this time." When he's on the phone, like I was like, mm -hmm. eh, "This guy's pretty good. Good choice." And uh, I also thought he did a good job when he, he was acting like he got stabbed and breaking the glass window. Um, that probably was a much harder shot to get right. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did multiple takes of that just to get it break to try to break the glass and then it doesn't break. Gonna, all right, take going to do another take. You know? So Frank Gable was tried and convicted of the murder of Michael Frankie. But for many people, the evidence simply did not add up. Bruises, abrasions and other wounds on Michael's body indicated a struggle with more than one person, leading Katie Frankie to conclude that Frank Gable is innocent. I think Frank Gable is a scapegoat. I think it goes up, up much higher than... I think it goes much higher up in the Oregon government. He's just being used to take the fall. Reporter Stephen Jackson believes the police made a rush to judgment. From the onset of the Frankie investigation, it appeared that the police put blinders on as far as what they were most inclined to believe. Michael's family and supporters found discrepancies in the official report of his death. Michael had a state-of-the-art alarm system. If the killer broke into the car, why was the alarm not set off? And why were there no signs of forced entry? These are some legitimate questions. Yeah. The police believe Michael was stabbed at the car, puncturing his heart and lungs. But why was there no trace of blood within 100 feet of the car? That's a big one for me. And finally, if Michael was killed at 7 p.m., as police estimate, why wasn't his body or the broken glass noticed when the building was searched between 8.30 and 9.30 p.m.? I, I flub my words there because I, I, it's just so unbelievable. You want, that, it makes you want to take a BM, a bowel movement, reading about yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just like, I, yeah, because it's a bunch of bullshit. It's a BM. It's shit. I don't, I don't buy this reasoning. It's this, this, this evidence here, these things that they're mentioning here like that even more makes me think like okay this is probably more than likely some organized hit uh you could have even had a group of uh correctional officers that could have done it yeah some believe that michael was the victim of a premeditated murder carried out by several men and possibly instigated by high-ranking officials fearful of being named in the investigation according to reporter stephen jackson an eyewitness said the scene backs up this theory 
At 10.15, 10.20 on January 17th, a young man riding in a car looked over where the scene of the crime was and saw five to six men running towards a Volk- Volkswagen van. If Michael Frankie had been abducted and then brought back to the building where he was killed, this would fit in with the abduction theory. Now, they have the whole abduction theory, but I kind of had... Is there a way that they could have just dumped his body? They just dumped his body, killed him somewhere else, dumped his body there, broke some glass, maybe put some blood on the ground, you know, that type of thing to make it look like... But, I mean, clearly, though, he had stepped up the... He he had walked up the stairs. So, they probably tried to kill him off... off, uh, somewhere else and then decided to, or they were they stabbed him and then dropped him off at at his office well that's the thing i'm I'm saying like how you know watching unsolved mysteries and crime shows in general it's like some cases they're pulling up the carpet and putting solution on the ground you know testing for dried blood and then in other cases they're like yeah well this is probably a suicide or oh this probably happened and uh, we don't need to investigate any further you know it's like uh the the uh it it really it's like really i have no idea what dictates you know a police's a policeman's like involvement in something, yeah. you know, like so why are some of them more heavily investigated than others? Basically, you know, it's like uh-huh. the, the inconsistency there. So this theory suggests that on the night of his death, Michael unlocked his own car and deactivating the alarm at the same time the men approached him. Michael did not keep regular office hours except for Tuesday staff meetings. So it appeared that the attackers were familiar with this schedule, which ties into the fact that they could have been actually working for the the correctional uh, facility. Or they could have been members of the same correctional political environment that he was a part of. Reporter Steve Jackson is quoted here. The abduction theory would have that Michael Frankie was later brought back and perhaps going to his office to find whatever paperwork or computer files that these sort of th- or these sort of things in his office. Once there, he gets out of the car, perhaps sees his only chance for getting away, tries to make a break for it, perhaps receives one or more of his wounds at that time, and goes to the north porch where he is finished off. That sounds like the most plausible theory to me. Yeah, agreed. While I was watching this segment, uh, I, the doorbell rang. <laughs> so, like, this is the type of segment that, like, if something happens while you're in the, in the middle of watching this, because it's the whole idea of somebody could show up and you're working on something that's top secret or you know controversial, and you're dealing with high high up, uh, the people who are high up in in the chain or high up in the government and you know the doorbell rings you know here they are they're gonna you know take you out (laughs) (laughs) you're you're digging too deep mike (laughs) just by watching this segment you're 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 uh, contributing to uh, trying to uncover a conspiracy that you should not even be dealing with because it's way over your head (laughs) <laughs> the couple of thousand of people who listen to this podcast, uh, it, it, they're, it's just going to break the case wide open, you know. <laughs> it's like the da- it's like when we were uh, we talked about the Danny Casolaro case and stuff like that. The octopus. Oh yeah, God, the octopus. So that sounds like some James Bond like fucking yeah. name for something. Well, Spectre's uh, logo is an octopus, so yeah. That night, several people reported seeing a man with a pinstripe suit and dark complexion lurking in the corrections building after hours. A composite drawing based on the witness description was made. 
but the uh, police thought that they didn't release that to the public until five months later because they deemed that this police sketch was not of good enough quality, even though it was done by a professional police sketch artist. And I'm looking at the sketch right now. I don't think you can get any better than that. Yeah, it looks fine to me. I've seen way, way worse police sketches that have been released like as soon as they had them, you know, ready. So that does tie into the, the tie into the fact that this is a cover up because why the hell would you hold on to a fairly accurate police sketch of a suspect for five months and then re- and not re- not release it? It's It's like, yeah, I don't know about that. One other disturbing fact that supports the theory was that it, that it was an assassination and cover-up. As Stephen Jackson points out, incredibly, no paperwork about Michael's investigation into the Oregon prison system has ever been found. Wow, yeah. Shortly after Michael Frankie's death, some people, some employees, some inmates spotted approximately 23 bags of shredded papers coming out of Michael Frankie's office and some surrounding offices. That's something you have to worry about, is who authorized the shredding of documents from a murder scene? Katie Frankie is quoted here. The officials, the officials investigating Mike's murder don't want it solved because it goes much higher in the Oregon government. And E. Patrick Frankie is quoted. My family is dedicated to bringing this to a successful conclusion. We're going to find out what the hell happened. And we're going to see that the people who are involved receive their full punishment. I wish... That's not what happened. So it's still unresolved. Frank Gable was later convicted of Michael's murder and sentenced to life in prison. However, he maintains his innocence and his case is currently under federal appeal. Some of Gable's supporters claim the police coerced witnesses into testifying against him. They also claim the police hid evidence that might exonerate him. Several of Michael's friends and family members believe that Michael's killer or killers are still at large. However, others believe that there was no conspiracy in the case at all, and that most of the evidence of the conspiracy was either fabricated or misinterpreted. Investigations by the governor of Oregon and independent journalists at the Oregonian concluded that there was no conspiracy and that Michael was most likely killed by Gable. Now, how much of that is them being told or just being basically forced to say that because if they tried to do anything differently, they could get rubbed out themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, when they, so, when they said it was a good old boy system, you know, that's that's exactly what it is. It's the same shit that, ha- you know, I mean, there's so many cases of these kind of things happening, like the uh, massage parlor in uh, Kentucky or whatever the hell it was. I'm it's escaping me now. The Bordello murders or whatever, yeah. you know, where, you know, it's just time and time again, you know, there's the corruption, you know, that word exists for a reason. Because, you know, it's like when good people turn bad and that's, yeah. that's you know, so... There's also a film. There's a movie about the case called Without Evidence. It was released in 1995. And it actually stars, yeah, Angelina Jolie. Oh, wow. So, and as well as an actor named Scott Plank, who plays Kevin Frankie. Man, they need to do, they need to do a... uh... Because apparently... There's more to this, because uh, after uh, Michael was killed, Kevin began his own investigation into the murder and found more lies and deceit and all that sort of stuff. So, But this could just be fabricated for the movie. 
but I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, we're supposed to talk about some of those Unsolved Mysteries movies. This isn't actually an Unsolved Mysteries movie, though. Like, it was just a... a it was based on film. the events. It was based on, on the events. Oh, I got you. But I guess you could consider it technically. I mean, the sleepwalking killer... The sleepwalker killings or sleepwalking killings. Like, that's one that's based on that. And there's a couple others. So, yeah. Um... That's all I really have to say about the Michael Frankie case. Uh, I definitely do feel, I mean, maybe one of these days we can look at the other side, the devil's advocate, and see whether or not the Oregonian uh, has some facts that are definitely, that point to this not being conspiracy. And if that's the case, you know, I'll, I'll gladly change my mind. But we we have a limited amount of time, so we can't go through an entire article right now um but uh i think that would be worth going uh diving into again because this is just such a there's there's there actually is more to this case <laughs> and it's like you could you could easily do a whole documentary about this let's um let's do a news of the bazaar okay here i'll send you the link here i've got like a cache of these from okay i gotta turn the fucking sound off just warning, there's going to be sound on this video, so you're going to... I, I know I've bitched about this in the past, but, like, I swear to God, like, every... Autoplay videos. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you go to a news article, and the first thing you see is a fucking video. It's like, fuck off! I just want to read the article! You don't got to show <laughs> me, like, like, I'm not an idiot. Like, dude, kids these days, man, like, growing up online, they're going to be... And they all have... And if you notice that even with have audio, they constantly have uh, subtitles? Yeah, I don't know, it's like... Uh, reading is being pushed back. I mean, granted, I, I hate... Typically, I, I dislike reading. I shouldn't say hate, but I dislike reading. Oh, I am... I did... Wow. I did start reading uh, Michelle Remembers, by the way, so... Uh, oh. Yeah. I need to start reading it then. What, what do you... How, how, <laughs> pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, I haven't gotten to anything yet. I'm on page six, and it's talking about her yeah. going to the Vatican with um, uh -huh. the, the padster. It, it'll, it'll, it'll get crazier. Okay, well, I'm, I'm... You you will have no idea. You're going to be shocked. I'm excited to uh, to keep reading then. So, uh, this robot looks like something straight out of Ex Machina. What is that even that you just said? It's a movie. It's a movie called Ex Machina. Like, if people have seen it... Yeah. This is some Uncanny Valley shit right here, this yes, robot. Yes, it is. And, and I should probably explain that for people who don't know what Uncanny Valley is. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> so, um, uh, Uncanny Valley is uh, it's a noun, and it's used in reference to the uh, phenomenon whereby a computer-generated figure or humanoid robot bearing a near-identical resemblance to a human, um, be a human being, it arouses a sense of unease or revulsion in the person viewing it. So it's if you've ever yeah, seen, yeah, I definitely got that when I was looking at this dang robot. That's yeah, sure. it's basically like when a, a cartoon or it's, you know some kind of CGI thing. It, it looks. Almost human, but there's some very subconscious shit in your brain that picks up on it, and and you know that it's not real, and and it freaks you out, and it makes you feel uncomfortable, which this is definitely doing to me right now. It does not look, it looks scary. No, yeah, it does. It totally looks scary. I can't, <laughs> I can't do like like human facial manipulation can really freak me out sometimes. Like the video. For Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, I still yeah. I still can't watch that. It, it's very just it's disturbing to me when 
human faces are contorted and distorted in weird ways. Like, I don't like that shit. So you probably wouldn't be able to watch AI. <laughs> no, I watched AI. It wasn't it wasn't that bad. Um, it was just so long. Good Lord. AI is just like. Yeah, but I, I thought I thought it would freak you out because the whole uh, the, well, the, uncanny valley thing. Well, they're clearly human actors a lot of them and they're yeah, just okay. they're kind of superimposed onto robot bodies and stuff like so my brain registers it as like okay this is that's what that is they weren't actual like robot faces for a lot of that stuff so anyway we're doing a news of the bizarre now this is um bizarre news really <laughs> what a top rate <laughs> podcast we host no wonder we're so high up on the uh you know charts there and by high i mean low we're very low the name of this article is Saudi Arabia's newest citizen is a robot. I guess we can trade off, you know, sentence, paragraphs, whatever, sentences. That would be ridiculous. Uh, Sophia, an intelligent humanoid robot, has been granted citizenship in Saudi Arabia. It's the first country in the world to give the bot the same status reserved for humans. Sophia was awarded the citizenship while on stage at the Future Investment Initiative in Riyadh. And there's a quote here that Mike is not going to read, apparently. Well, I can. Okay. <laughs> I'm very honored and proud for this unique distinction, Sophia told the audience during her presentation, which was moderated by a CNBC Squawk Box co-anchor and New York Times columnist Andrew Ross Sorkin. This is historical to be the first robot in the world to be recognized with a citizenship. The, ro the robot actually said that? <laughs> I, I really like, you know, I really want to be that hacky robot voice too, but I know it's not. I am very honored and proud for this unique distinction. Um, the robot was created by David Hansen. It's probably a text-to-speak thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Text-to-speech. Um, David Hansen was the founder of the Hong Kong-based Hansen Robotics, who is known for creating robotics that look and act like humans. Sophia was created to look like Audrey Hepburn, and she does not really. She looks like, uh, she looks like Britney Spears when Britney Spears shaved all her hair off. That's kind of what she looks like. With like a pla like it's like a humanoid face up into the hairline, and then like yeah. the rest of the cranium is this. This is this is some outer limit shit right here. Like this really is. This is like this is. I, I mean, I'm, I this is the first time I heard about this, and this is like really really eerie. While on stage, and... uh, Sophia made light of the concerns among some that AI robots could be an existential threat to humans. At some at one point, she made fun of tech billionaire Elon Musk, who has repeatedly warned that AI could be a threat to humans. So, does she have her own consciousness, or is this just programming that somebody put in there for her to, you know, you know, text to speech type stuff? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, she can think for herself. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, remember we re we did that one news of the bazaar where uh, they they had to uh, they had to um, they created these robots and then they had to shut them down because they created their own language that the, the yeah creators, that was on Facebook yeah, yeah. yeah that the creators didn't understand <laughs> robots that is such a hilarious headline robots create their own language and then are shut down <laughs> yeah they, because no I don't think it was robots it was an AI well well whatever it was yeah it was they 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 found a more efficient way 
to speak English to each other. Um, in their in their mind, it was more efficient. To us, it sounded weird. Like if they want to say the three cats, they'd just say the cat, 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 and then they'd go. So they'd say cat three times instead of saying the three yeah. cats. I, but but I'm pretty sure that this is mostly scripted. I mean, uh, the the conversation and the speech here. My first thought with like if if Ro- apparently I'm allergic to bullshit. So well, this this is reality, my friend. This is not bullshit. This actually happened, unfortunately. No, no. I mean, it did happen, but I don't think that this this robot is 100 percent saying all of this off the top of its head. What if what if it was like just hypothetically? What if then I'd be scared. But if it's not okay, you just you put in a script in there and had it say. Okay, some now now that we're we're on the subject of robots, I gotta ask your opinion. Uh, what was your opinion on the movie Her? I still haven't seen that film. Really? That's crazy. I figured you would have been all over that one. That's uh, her is that movie with a uh, Joaquin Phoenix who looks like the biggest hipster I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he I've heard of it. I've seen the trailer. I don't know. It just didn't. I guess it never really interested me that much. That's why I didn't. Yeah, but... I'm more or less saying for the audience. Um, he, he ends up falling in love with um, this uh, AI like Siri kind of thing that's on his computer. Is it or his phone or something? They end up like falling in love because like, you know, she has her own, I guess, conscience and ability to, you know, solve his problems in his life and keep and give him companionship in like a real authentic uh-huh. kind of way or seemingly so, um, which is just creepy as hell because it's like you're a computer. You are not a human. I don't know, man. It's like uh, that's going to in, in 200 years or, or 100 years or 50 years, even that's going to be the new civil rights. It's going to be civil rights for robots. And there's going to be all kinds of people accusing us of being robophobic and shit, you know, for not uh, uh, yeah. uh, for, for discriminating against the robots. It, it's like that scene in AI where the kids like uh, pointed to himself and he's like, I'm Orga, you're Mecca. And they made um. Uh, the the uh, kid who played what was that kid's name the child star Haley Joel Osment? yeah it made Haley Joel Osment's character feel sad because he was a robot and the other kid was organic and that's gonna be in in the future it's like I'm an orga motherfucker no no mechas allowed in this establishment <laughs> dude if they were, if if robots are real or if that if that becomes like a thing that you know with the the intelligence and all like my first thought like. And this shows you how sad and like low on the evolution scale I am. The first thought I think is like sexual. Like we we could have like these well, sexual. Yeah, I think they're you know like Cherry Two Thousand. Yeah, I think they're already kind of working on that kind of stuff. Um, for sure. I mean, how amazing would that? <laughs> well, I guess it wouldn't be that amazing because like, what if you kept it in a closet and turned it off when you weren't using it? You know, and then you like open the closet door and there's like a chick in there and she's all like not moving and ah, I don't think I'd like that. That that wouldn't put me in the mood very much. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But uh yeah, I guess we're going to have a uh, a specially short podcast today. <laughs> um I have a I kind of have a time crunch and I really don't want to like Well, yeah, but I mean also I think we covered quite a bit and you know, I don't really have much else to say about any of these other cases, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I might have shoved another segment in or done another news of the bazaar, but honestly, I'm on a time crunch now, and um, 
I, I didn't want to I didn't want to like delay the podcast, you know, like we did, you know, last week or whatever. So I'm trying to stay on the same schedule for you guys because I know a lot of people like that. They like podcasts being released the same time every week. And I know it helps with the listener base and all that. You know, when you get too spotty with your releases, people get frustrated with that because I myself being a podcast listener, I get annoyed when I'm like, okay, it's Wednesday, this certain podcast should be coming out, where the fuck is it? Um, but I don't stop listening, but eh, who knows, I don't know. But um, anyway, if you want to find me and Mike, oh yeah, we didn't do any plugs whatsoever, and you guys are probably happy about that. If you want to contribute to us on Patreon, Mike has just revamped the reward system, and he released a bonus segment, uh, I think last week, um, is Patreon, yep. patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, you get the podcast earlier. You can get um, bonus segments on there. You can make requests on there that we will definitely cover. Um, we're trying. To, we're looking into getting some merchandise for like the twenty dollar tier, so you'll get like a t shirt. I, I want to make shirts personally. Um, I, I don't, you know, yeah, coasters and all that shit's kind of lame in my opinion. <laughs> I want a t shirt. Um, that to me is the true merch is when you get a t shirt. Uh, so yeah, that you can find us on there. We have a Twitter account. It's at Uncovering UM. Um, I try to post exclusive stuff on there, so you can find us on there. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook group search Uncovering Unexplained Mystery. Join the group. It's a lot better than the fan page. The fan page is like, I don't know what's up with Facebook, man. But they used to be so good about that shit. But now that's like they've turned into like gangsters, where it's like, nah, you got to pay a toll if you want your fans to see what you post. And you you really do. <laughs> yeah. We have like um, we have like a shit ton of likes on. Well, our- they'll do these messages that'll pop up and be like, "We'll give you ten dollars credit to advertise this post." Yeah. No, they don't give you any credit. They 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 say, uh, they say this po- your most recent post is doing fifty uh, percent better than your other uh, posts in the past. Consider boosting it for five dollars. Oh, okay. So I thought I thought they give you a gave you a, a credit. No, they get they give you, you nothing. They take from you. They want you to give. They want <laughs> you to give them credits. Um, but yeah, there the the group is just you know I post something on there. Everybody sees it. It's good to go on the on the fan page you post something nobody sees it except for you know three people so yeah like uh join the group um you can find me and mike separately but very much equally on youtube by going to youtube.com slash ocp communications for mike he reviews movies mainly uh what was your most recent video mike well barring the uh, unboxing that you just did before the podcast (laughs) uh i did the uh I did a rant on the Channel Awesome controversy. Ah. Uh, and uh, so you have not. I, I figured with your schedule, you have already put out two other videos since then. No. Well, I've just been I've just been really busy with fucking work for school. Like I just this crazy amount of work. So hey, I, under, I understand. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do some catching up today. But um, that's cool. You can find yeah. me on Facebook uh, or <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, if you want to find me on Facebook, sure. Josh can add me. I don't care. I might add you. I might not. It depends. Um, <laughs> find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Um, I do video game reviews. I do skits. Uh, I review products. 
I really fuck myself over by not sticking with like one or two things. I, I literally do 10 different things on my YouTube channel, which is definitely to my detriment. But my latest video was also on the channel awesome uh, thing that went on. And me, me and Mike have separate, fairly separate takes on that. Um, channel awesome, nostalgia critic, all that. I mean, if you know who that is, then cool. But if not, I won't spend more time talking about that honestly i feel like there's people on youtube who who have built like many careers off that debacle because oh yeah because it's like every video i see that that has the word like this social justice warrior guy socialist justice injustice warrior i think is the guy's name He's done like multiple part videos about the doctor. There's a lot of people. There, there was this one chick named Soft. And he's not even done. Oh yeah. Oh no. There was this one chick named Soft Lavender who had like three or four hundred subscribers. Yeah, I wasn't really big on her video. Like, there's another girl. A girl. She did a video about it that I liked. But what was funny uh, though it was like, like all her videos before that were on like makeup tricks, and then she did the one video on Channel Awesome, and it got a lot of heat. And now her whole YouTube channel has become the Channel Awesome Drama Channel. Like so many, <laughs> so many people have like. I don't blame her, you know. Fuck it, you know, if it it pays, gets you money, but that's not me. Like I'm not gonna just constantly do it about YouTube drama. I might do one more video if the three. Uh, People, which I heard from another producer that there might be three more people who are going to be added to the document. If that happens, then I might do a video and then talk a little bit more about my thoughts a little bit more in depth instead of just overviewing the entire document. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely don't plan on doing another video. I said what I had to say and I'm, I'll be moving on to something there, else. There's still some stuff I, I could say about it. Yeah. All right, well... But I said a lot of that on the podcast already. The <laughs> Yep. All right, well, that's the podcast, everybody. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And until next week, um, don't die or anything. Bye. See ya. What's up, everybody? Josh here. Just wanted to let everyone know that my new album, The Nightmare Inside You, is now available on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for any and all support. It means the world to me.
Now, I watched this on one of my um, totally legal VHS uh, recordings that my parents did a long time ago and saved all these years that I totally own legally. Um, that's that's legal in every way. I was watching this on there, and I guess because the sound on those old VHS tapes aren't as crisp, you know, as the uh, no. Amazon. So, like, I, I thought this dude's name was Lenny or, or uh, Leonard. Well, I guess yeah, Lenny is short for Leonard. Yeah. So they were calling him. Well, Leonard. he did they did kind of name him say that he was Lenny at times. Like there was a nickname that he had. And Okay, uh, I feel like a complete idiot for saying that just then. That yeah. is also gonna be B roll. Twelve oh five. Wow. I, I <laughs> my head is not in the right space right now. I'm hungry and you know, whatever. We're gonna make it through this. The deadline and you're like, ah Okay. So uh but yeah okay. you know you were talking about that adobe how you have to pay 20 dollars a month i fucking hate that goddamn cloud with a yeah, fucking the creative fiery cloud thing. passion I hate it too. everything's yeah. a fucking cloud now you can't own any physical anything and you know it's not even the physical media it's not even the physical media that well, bothers I mean, me I, I mean the whole digital thing it's like uh wondershare i don't own physical uh, a physical copy of my wondershare for more editor but I, it's a one-time payment. It's a one-time payment. I paid fifty. I paid a certain amount of money once, and then I have it for a lifetime. Yeah, that's what I love about Final Cut, and that's that uh, it alone is enough to make me stick with Apple. Because you can you buy pi Final Cut, Final Cut, Final Cut for <laughs> for three hundred dollars, and it's yours. You never have to. And you know they're like, well. Um, with Adobe, it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you save money because you're only doing bullshit. I had Adobe, um, I forget what I have it was. A premiere, I have a Premiere physical thing, but it's so outdated now, it's probably not even usable. So uh, you probably could still use a lot of the... See, that's the thing. They don't need to update this shit as much as they do either. That's another thing that I fucking hate is updates, but I won't get started on that. Um, <laughs> a lot of the basic fucking features that you need are were probably inherent in the very first Adobe Premiere, but they felt the need, and I get it, you know, like, major updates, fine, but dude, I swear to God, it's like companies put themselves on these schedules now to where it's like, okay, we need to do an update to the phone, to an, to an app on your phone every week. We need a new update to remind people about our app. I think that's, a, I think it's almost become a form of advertising at this point, because, like, if you have an iPhone, for example... Like Snapchat, all these apps, they want to update every fucking week. I'm sorry, but you're not coming out with any kind of anything that's going to be groundbreaking in a week's time from last week. It's your literally. It's, 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 it's the same effect as the door close button on an elevator or the crosswalk button. It just gives you that illusion of there's an update or this is going to help, or this is going to work, and it really doesn't do anything. Yeah, it, well, I, I honestly think for, like, small, like, apps, um, like, smaller apps that aren't as popular, I think it's a way to, like, remind people that, hey, you, you have this app on your phone, remember, you know, like... Yeah. Anyway, we got to get to recording here, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I have, like, 50 minutes, um... <laughs> pretty well yeah i have about 50 minutes i gotta like leave here at 7 30 